0: Please turn in your New Testaments now to John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, as we continue in our series, the Jesus we need, not the one that we're told in the media, not the one we sometimes make up in our heads, because we want him to be a certain way, but the actual Jesus of Nazareth, who is presented to us in the Scriptures, the Jesus we need. And before we pray, I want to add my appreciation also for Josh and Liz and where's William and Catherine? We love you guys. Y'all have served Christ and His church so beautifully and well and we're proud of uh, His call in your life to the next place and we will, you will have a good prayer support uh, here at Highlands. So let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we read. Oh Lord, would you look before you and see us, God? It's just us. We are inadequate, we are weak, and you are able and full of grace. calls us to place things that need to be placed in your hand today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. John 6, 1-14, the very word of God. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is also called the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up the mountain, and he sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover feast of the Jews was at hand, and lifting up his eyes... Then, and seeing a large crowd that was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we going to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to even get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. And now there was much grass in the place. And so the men sat down, 5,000 in number. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. He also distributed the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their full, he told the disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments from the barley loaves uh, that were left that were uneaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. This is about how Jesus has the power to meet needs. And how he invites us into this process of him meeting needs. And I'd like to look at three things this morning as we kind of look at this famous Miracle, the only miracle that is in all four gospels is this one. So it's important. I'd like us to, to think about how the fact that Jesus sees the need, and secondly, how Jesus invites us into what he is doing, and thirdly, how Jesus meets the need his way. He sees the need, he invites us into meeting the need, uh, what he's doing, and then Jesus actually meets the need his way. Jesus sees. You know, he was tired as well. Um, He had been teaching. He had been doing miracles. We learned that the reason they followed him around the Sea of Galilee is because he had been doing so many signs and miracles on the sick. He had been teaching. You know, Jesus really was a real human being, 100% like us, 100% God at the same time. That one intermediary between God and man. And so uh, with all this teaching and healing and, and being exhausted, he we read in Luke's gospel, he retired to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and they followed him. That's a long way around, y'all. That's several miles. They were determined to, to stick with Jesus, and they followed him to the other side of the lake. He, he landed uh, in a place, his boat landed in a place called Bethsaida. And he walked up the hills, the very tall hills that are there, and he sat down on the hills, and the people caught up with them, and he began to teach again. This, if you want to know where it is, is the place known today as the Golan Heights. So it's that really high place on the Sea of Galilee. We learned that there were 5,000 men there which means we really don't know how many people were there because there were women and children. We're going to meet a little boy in a moment. Uh, so how many were there? Some people say there were 10,000 people there. Some people, men, 5,000 men plus women plus children. Some people say 12,000. Some people say 15,000. We just know that it is significantly greater than 5,000 people, and that's important because of what's going to happen if there truly are twelve or 15,000 people on that hillside. And so as they have walked all the way around and they are tired, Jesus knows this because he's tired, he has compassion on these people. And Mark's Gospel tells us, you know, it's all four Gospels, so we get a lot of details about this one particular miracle. Mark's Gospel tells us that it is actually late into the afternoon uh, and, and Jesus has compassion on them. Uh, they are tired and hungry, um, especially the children, and um, they're way out in the boonies, just near some really remote villages. And Jesus suddenly stops talking to the crowds, and he starts talking to his disciples about those crowds. Please feed these people, he says to his disciples. They are tired and hungry, the children Are hungry. And what we see is that Jesus just has this way of compassion about Him. Jesus has this way of seeing real needs. And I want you to know, He sees your needs too. He sees your needs. He sees them not only in your life, He sees them in the lives of those people you love. He sees them in society, in the struggles that people have. Jesus sees the need. And he cares. Look, if if Christ can see with great compassion just the basic needs of missing a couple of meals and being a little tired, imagine how much he cares for the big things in your life in the lives of those you love. I'm talking about the things that rob us of our sleep. First thing, Jesus sees the need. Secondly, Jesus invites us into what he wants to do. Verse 5, lifting up his eyes then and seeing the large crowd that was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we, where are we to buy bread that these people might eat? And he said this to test Philip, for he himself, Jesus himself, knew what he was about to do. Mark's gospel records that he had additional words to his disciples, much more direct than this. You give them something to eat, he tells them. And so they are definitely invited in to what Jesus wants to happen here to see this need met. The other gospels report uh, an immediate response on the disciples part. Immediately one of them says, tell them, let's tell them to go into town and just buy their own food and then the need will be met. Now that is meeting the need of that disciple to not have to feed all these people, but but it wasn't meeting the, the, the need. And you'll understand more in a moment. And so in our text, it really focuses down on two of Jesus' disciples. And the first is Philip, and the second is Simon Peter's brother, Andrew. And I want you to know, I, I, I am Philip. I would have said probably exactly what Philip said. Uh, what Philip said was this, Lord, you just need to understand this, the numbers don't work. Lord, I have made a quick calculation and there are 12 or 15,000 people here, whatever that number is. And it would take eight months wages of a normal Israelite to be able to give all these people even a little bit of food, not even a meal. The numbers just don't work. And where are we going to get bread for 15,000 people? What remote village can bake Enough bread for 15,000 people right now. Philip was from Bethsaida. That's one of the reasons we think Jesus asked him, go find out where we can get bread for these people. Philip says, not going to work. You know, I, I've been to several wedding receptions in the last few months, and uh, that's a big deal. Um, and it's feeding hundreds, not thousands. All right? I can't even imagine just feeding hundreds how many bags of grits it takes to do shrimp and grits for just hundreds. Who could even attempt to cater immediately to 15,000 people way out in the wilderness by the lake? On the Golan Heights. I mean, this is really an amazing thing that we're about to see if you really think about it. I completely understand Philip's answer to Jesus, and I think you do too. And then there's Andrew. Andrew uh, is a little more action-oriented. Andrew has already walked through the crowd to kind of see how much food is on hand, that they might kind of, you know, see how much they could give if somebody had some food. And Andrew only finds this little boy who has a, a homemade little lunch, and I'm not even gonna call it a lunch, cause that would be like a brown bag like, like with, with a little weight to it. It's more like one of those things you buy in the grocery store, they're called snackables. You know, there's like four crackers and like two little pieces of cheese and maybe two like shamefully small cold cuts that go with it. And nobody is full after they eat a little snackable. And you know, this is what's going on here. These little cakes, they're the size of a small Twinkie. They're made out of barley. And the reason they're made out of barley is barley is, is the grain. It's the cheapest. It's what the poor can afford. And our, our one little lunch is all we have packed lovingly by a mother living below the poverty line. That's all we've got. Andrew comes forward with all we got. Verse eight. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves. You know, in the movies, there's these huge things that Jesus breaks. That's not the way it is. Five barley loaves and two fish sardines. But what are they? Andrew says, but what is this to so many? That's a great thing to say. That's exactly what you and I would say. Look, we don't have the wherewithal resident within us to tackle the big things in our lives and in the lives of those we face. It is like a Lunchable compared to 15,000 people. And we're so blessed that the point is, is that Jesus is here. And he is able. You know, we can bring our love to Jesus. We can bring our willingness. We can bring our resources. We can bring our prayers. And he will add his love. And he will add his power. And far beyond it. And that is what's about to happen here on the slopes. And I love this because, you know, often there is a a kind of a false dichotomy that's taught in the church about faith and, like, doing stuff. It's like, it kind of goes like this. If you're trusting Jesus, you don't ever do anything. Like, really, you don't go to a doctor if you're trusting Jesus? You see what I'm saying? You, You have resources. God's given us a mind, God's given us reason, God's given us many things, we bring, I mean appropriately, we bring resources to the problems, God himself has given us the resources. So let's don't do this false dichotomy. It's great for us to bring our resources, bring our willingness, bring our prayers, bring whatever it needs to what Christ wants to do, and he can work far beyond it. So... The, the, the second thing is that Jesus not only sees the need, but he invites us in to bring things to him to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in these very difficult challenges in our lives. Thirdly, is that Jesus meets the need his way. And man, nobody would have seen his way coming. And I want you to know in your life, it's going to be his way, not your way. And that's a part of something we need to understand and get comfortable with as we ask Jesus to meet our needs. One scholar says it was not bread that Jesus was seeking from Philip and Andrew, it was faith that he was seeking. Because we know this because the text says Jesus said this because he was testing them. Did you catch that? For he himself knew what he was going to do. He wanted to test their faith. The Son of God is not limited by the size of a snackable. He's just not limited. And I want you to know the risen Christ is here today. And the fact is that you and I do not have all it takes to deal in a fallen world with what is before us. We just don't have it. But we get to participate in what God wants to do. And that is by believing that Christ has the ability. And we bring resources to it. Verse 10, Jesus moves into action. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place. And so the men sat down, about 5,000 men in number. Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated and also the fish as much as they wanted. You know, I love in the Old Testament where Jeremiah says, and there used to be a song to this effect. It's Jeremiah thirty-two, seventeen. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Therefore, nothing is too difficult for you. You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. You know what is being shown here is that Jesus is the one and only. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God and God in the flesh. And the Creator has no problem catering to 15,000 people out of a small lunch if He can create the heavens and the earth. He's not limited by this, this little lunch. Jesus says, have the people sit down. I love the Gospels because they are so detailed. You know, those people didn't sit and eat. You understand how those people ate in those days? They reclined, like, you know, kind of laid back on their, on their elbows uh, and ate. So the fact that there was good grass actually meant something. It says, hey, this, this is a good place to eat because they're going to all be lying down on that hill and there was good grass there. I mean, amazing details across the four Gospels uh, on this miracle. But always subordinate to the Father. And we talked about this last week. Jesus doesn't just do the miracle. Jesus looks to his Father and Jesus gives thanks. And he is acting as the Father is giving him and showing him what to do. And he starts handing bread, and handing bread, and handing bread, and handing bread. And he starts handing fish, and handing fish, and handing fish. And and we learn about baskets. And you may be wondering, well, why are there suddenly baskets up on that mountain? Well, let me tell you why there's baskets, because the Greek word for this particular basket Um, actually describes the larger baskets that the fishermen right down there at the Sea of Galilee used. Now, at the feeding of the 4,000, it's a whole different word for the baskets. And it's a whole different feeding, and we will get there. And so these are big baskets. Can you see Jesus just making and making and making? And there's like huge baskets full of food going out to these people, as they're eating, and thousands of hungry people saw a miracle that day, and we could just call it Messiah over matter. Messiah over molecules. And it was amazing. I mean, right there, before their eyes, in real time, Jesus, the Son of God, is creating, and dinner is coming forward, one bread and one fish at a time. Verse 12, And when they had eaten their fill, He told the disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. And they gathered them up, after everybody had eaten and didn't want to eat anymore, and filled twelve of those big baskets with the leftovers, the fragments from the five barley loaves that were uneaten. And it's wonderful because John draws the contrast between the words, you know, Eight months' wages wouldn't buy just a, just a little bit. To they ate until they couldn't eat anymore. The the power of Jesus meeting that need, the compassion of Jesus. They, I mean, when Jesus meets a need, he meets the need. So he made leftovers, as well as food. That's nice of him. Twelve baskets. What twelve? All across, it's a big deal. There's 12 baskets. Well, there's 12 apostles. So maybe they each had their basket. And there's 12 tribes of Israel. And what's being said is, this is the Messiah that you've read about in the Old Testament. And he is the one who more than meets our needs. So much that the symbol of 12 baskets in the entire nation of Israel can look to him and have complete Satisfaction from Him. The people are astonished, astonished. Verse fourteen: When the people saw the sign, and by the way, John likes the word "sign" instead of miracle. Sign just means something that points to the reality of God, like a sign, you know, points like, like flora this way, (laughs) you know, or something. Verse fourteen: When people saw the sign that He had done, they said, "This." this is, this is indeed, quote, the prophet who was to come into the world. And, and we're not going to get deeply into this right now because in two weeks, we're going to talk about Jesus walking on the water uh, next week. And then we're going to come back in two weeks and there's what's called the bread of life discourse. Where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And we're going to have communion the day that we look at the bread of life discourse. But for now, what we see is they're calling him king, and I didn't deal with that. That's in verse 15. We'll get there later, I promise. But they're saying, you know who he is? He's that guy in Deuteronomy 18.15 that Moses predicted that one day there would be another prophet like him that the people would listen to. Now, you got to understand When it comes to, like, um, you know, most famous people, most revered people in Israel, Moses is it. He, that's the new Moses. That's the one. You remember they asked, who do the people say? Some say, you're the prophet. It said, that's what they're talking about. You're the new Moses. So, Jesus is a kind of new Moses. We'll find out more about it later. Who will lead his people, like Moses did, out of bondage, out of slavery, into total freedom. Jesus will be the Passover lamb, not the institutor of a supper, but a new supper about him, the deliverer, the new Moses who gives himself for us. Jesus is not just the new Moses. Jesus is greater than Moses because Jesus not only informs, doesn't just inform people about manna from God. Jesus makes it Himself, you see. He will create the true manna that gives eternal life. That's who is making bread on that mountain in this first part of John chapter 6. Now, I want to close, but I would you mind if I just went back for just a moment for a little application on something that we learned earlier from this passage. We often feel overwhelmed by what is in front of us. And sometimes we're not just overwhelmed. Sometimes we are flat out burned out. I know that many of you have felt that. And and I was particularly drawn to what one of the, the scholars said about this. Quote, if we are feeling burned out, it could be that we are trying to meet our needs and the means, needs of others in our own strength. That's something we're thinking about right there. You understand? Lunchable won't get it. You will strain yourself beyond recognition if you think you can move all mountains and face all situations and bring all adequacy in your life. I want you to think about whether your overwhelm and your burnout is about you thinking that you have to do this in that situation in your life. I mean, we so often think, We can make it all okay. Oh, yes. Or at least I can pay people to make it all okay. Oh, yes. And, y'all, I think we put a lot of pressure sometimes on ourselves to get that done. And we fail because it's not possible to succeed. And we are crushed, crushed in what we don't see happening after we have brought all of our leverage and our resource and, and all of our strength to it, and there we are, crushed and burned slap out. And we become discouraged or desperate or both. And sometimes privately, because we probably never tell somebody else this. Sometimes privately, we think our problems. Not anybody else's. Are too big for Jesus. They're not. They are not. How wonderful. To be able to see. And you need to embrace this today. That you and I. Are. Truly. Inadequate. So. So inadequate for so many things. And we can bring what we have to the Lord, even if it's just our willingness to work with him. Even if it's just our prayers. Even if it's just what Jesus was testing for. Just some simple faith in God who loves us as God of our lives and in our lives. And we can trust him to work in and through and above and beyond us as we bring what we have to him rather than bring what we have just to the situation because he is able and he has invited us into what he wants to do. And he wants to meet the needs with our participation, with faith, his way. You see, our problem isn't that we don't feel invited by Jesus into the meeting of needs. Our problem is we don't invite Jesus into the meeting of our needs. And, y'all, there is a strange and wonderful relief when we're in it and we're doing everything we know to do and we have handed it over at the same time into the hands of Jesus. And he's got it. He's got it. And we can keep bringing our resources And we can keep trusting rather than simply trying to handle it all alone. And I say to you as we finish, praise him for his great compassion. And praise him for his mighty power as well. Let's pray together. Lord, this is kind of a hard thing to hear, but it's so welcome if we really were to think about it. To really think that you love us. And that, yes, you've given us resources, yes, you've given us intelligence, yes, you've given us gifts, you've given us things. We just can't make the world go round. And so, would you, would you acknowledge, and whatever that thing is that you're just white-knuckled grabbed onto right now trying to make it work, would you acknowledge before God, very... Sincerely and intimately. God, I don't have it. But I will be faithful to do what I can do and give what I can give. But Lord, I want to place this in your hands today. So that you, as we walk forward in whatever this is, in whoever it is about... You can meet that need in your way. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would be the lifter of our heads and our heads would lift and we would see all the way up a mountain someone who is giving multiplication of a little lunch. Receive ours and begin to do your good work. And, Lord, help us not to assume that everything you do has to happen in the next 24 hours. But give us faith to walk with you and bring your compassion and mighty power to bear on the lives of your people. Amen. Let's sing, I Need Thee Every Hour. Let's stand.
1: I need thee every hour. Stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art not. Lord, oh bless me now, my Savior, I come to. Quickly and abide, or life is vain. I need Thee every hour. Teach me Thy will, and Thy rich promises in me fulfil. I need Thee, oh, I need Thee, oh, I need Thee every hour, I need You, Lord, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to
0: God's benediction and now grace mercy mercy and peace from God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit rest upon you and dwell within you all both now and forevermore Amen. God bless you. Enjoy the Lord's Day. Bobby.